Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. What The Nest Show is, this is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. And I'm so happy, Mark, again, to have you on today's podcast, which is in kind of like a different form because usually we pre-record it. Usually we just make sure, you know, that um, whatever I would say uh, different topics, you know, that we don't want to perhaps have on, you know, on the show, like later to be edited or something, they come and go, right? But in this very case, this is all live. I'm so excited to have you on the live show today. And uh, with you, Mark Moss, guys, I'm not really... I would I would not believe if you tell me you don't know who Mark is. Mark is the one of the biggest influencers uh, in this space. You know, if you go to the YouTuber uh, YouTuber's account of Mark Moss, right? You're going to have like yeah. what is it, Mark? Like 160,000 followers, isn't it? It's been it's been growing fast. Yeah, I was uh, I, I I passed 100,000 subscribers just like 60 days ago, and now I'm up to like I don't know 160, 165 or something oh, like that. Whoa. So. It's growing. It took me took me 19 months to get to 100, and then it took me 60 days to get to another 60. Whoa, that's parabolic. That's, that's fucking huge, man. That's huge. So you tell me they they pretty much invested all, all the money that they printed. They invested in your account. It seems to just boost your numbers. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been crazy, man. I mean, all that I can tell is how much of a fan I am. You know, of 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 what you are doing in this space of how amazingly, you know, for the quality and the quantity you are really doing and managing all, all your uh, all of your channel. Uh, you know, what is it, like half a million views I can see for, for some of the big ones, right? It's yeah, insane. Some of the, yeah, some of the videos have gotten over half a million views. I mean, uh, I'm kind of regularly getting over 100,000 views on a video. I've been getting uh, about 1.5 million views a month. Jesus Christ. Right. That's a big number. <laughs> that's that's a big number. That's like some some small country entirely just you know watching you <laughs> watching your show. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like, imagine if you were like a speaker and you could go to like get on a stadium, like a football stadium, right? And and that would be like the biggest stage you could ever be on in your life. That's like forty thousand people. Well, I I speak to like yeah. fifteen of those every month. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I definitely want to you know just be. You know, just looking up one there, you know, one one time to be like as big as you are, you know, in this space. That's that's huge honor to have you again. And uh, to kick it off, Mark, I'm I'm very you know just curious um, about a couple of things you know to discuss today. And first of all, I'm really curious to know your thoughts about what's going on, you know, on the markets, on the crypto market, on the legacy markets, especially you know with all the again coronavirus stuff. Like, how is it looking on your end? Uh, how is this, like, I would say, pandemic? You think, in fact, really, you know, like for for whether, whether is it is it is a, is it a hoax or is it truly something that is actually, you know, just bothering people at a scale, given that you're here in the media. Um, and uh, be, yeah, besides besides this, you know, uh, before I definitely let you speak and open this amazing 
uh, you know, couple of couple of good discussions on these topics. Um, finally, I'm definitely going to hear. I'm going to love to hear from you on uh, what your next plans are. Right. So just a full 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 circle. So to start yeah. with, again, what are your thoughts about what's going on on the markets? Legacy crypto. How's it looking, Mark? For the for the crypto markets. Well, I think um, I think for the crypto markets, I, I'm I'm extremely bullish. I'm I'm probably more bullish than I've ever been, and I've been involved in this space pretty heavily for about uh, six years now. Um, and I would say that I just continue to get more and more bullish. Um, everything that continues to happen continues to build my faith in what's happening more and more. Um, just for real quick, for those that don't know, I mean, I'm I'm old now, so I've been doing this a long time, and I um <coughs> I started. So I started my investing career back in 1995, and uh, when I was 18 years old. By the time you know 97, I was, I was two fucking years old then, man. That's yeah, yeah, I'm old, I'm old. <laughs> so, well, the reason why it's relevant is because um, by by the time, so I started around 1995 at 18. By the time I was in my early 20s, it was like 98, 99, 2000. And if anybody's old enough to know what those years mean, that was when the internet first broke out. And so all of a sudden we were trading these crazy things called internet stocks and people thought we were wackos and we're like, oh, the internet, the internet, the internet. And we're trading these internet stocks. And my roommate had, I was already a full-time investor. My roommate quit his job and he's at home. He's a day trader now and he's day trading internet stocks and we're trading it. Sound familiar? So, uh, <laughs> right. And I saw that market go up right in 2000, it crashed and everyone said, oh, that's ridiculous. That internet st was stupid. 2001, I decided I would start an e-commerce business selling stuff online. And I, I and back then, there was no Shopify, no, no, no Amazon, nothing like that. And I had to spend about $25,000 to have someone custom build me a store. And I went to these brands. I said, hey, I built this website. I want to sell your products on my website. And they literally laughed at me and told me nobody would ever buy anything online. It was the stupidest idea. And I said, well, I think they will. And I bought, you know, I spent all this money. And I said, well, we don't even want our stuff to be sold on the internet. And so I just tell you that story because like I've lived through this before. I've had people laugh in my face and tell me no one would ever buy stuff online. And so as, uh, as I've gone through this crypto phase, everything that I've seen has just continued to build my faith. And so um, where are we right now? Back to the original question. Um, I mean, I believe that uh, really Bitcoin is the thing that I, I focus on because it's, you know, obviously the asset that drives the market at this point. And really what I've seen with Bitcoin is um, it has uh, it's created awareness. It's like it created this like thirst for like education and our financial system and the way that we even think about money is so broken. And, and it's intentionally done that uh, back in the early 1900s. Henry Ford, the father of the automobile, said if the people knew how the banking system worked, there would be a revolution overnight. And so the banking, the way the money and the way the banking system ha works has been intentionally hidden from us. And it's only now with the internet, we have access to information. And now because of Bitcoin, we have this, um, now there's an alternative. And so people have started to invest in their education. And it's like this great awakening where everybody's interested. And now like the word fiat was never used before. And now everybody knows what fiat currency is. And so it's causing this mass explosion. And of course, then that trickles down into other crypto assets as well. Um, and at the same time as this like renaissance or this explosion is happening, the governments around the world are pushing the use case of it even more. So I just couldn't be more bullish for what's happening. It's exciting. Yeah, this is very well said. You know, I personally, mm, I'm personally so much sharing your views that 
I mean, it just goes beyond my understanding. Like, how on earth how can we have truly, you know, the same thoughts? Because to me, you know, when I when somebody asks me, you know, what I think of crypto, I think, literally speaking, that crypto has never been more bullish than it is right now. And no, just you know, small short term, you know, just drop can change that truly because it's more yeah. about the fundamental flow. What's more yeah. about the fundamental trend that's generated in the past months, especially in the past months that accelerated so strongly in the past months because of what happened and what the government showed us, you know, showed to us back in March of this year, right? With this yeah. insane, insane biggest, I would say, uh, how we call that? Like they were literally doing everything to just stop markets from dumping. Yeah. And they printed enough money to just buy back entire market. They literally yep. buy, bought back entire market with stocks, corporate bonds. Like it, it, it just goes beyond my understanding and show it to some people, you know, show it to some, I would say citizens, like civil people that, you know, print money, right? In their homes, you would be fucking put in jail, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, people in the suits in the Congress, you know, they are like in the, in the Congress or the Fed or you name it, you know, in the States. Now they're literally, you know, just, you know, going like there's not like nothing happens, right? They are very yeah. proud of it. All the negative rates, negative rate interest, like you know, uh, negative interest rates for for the, for the recent announcements. Also, like, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, as I said, right? They're literally doing policies that are pushing people into alternative currencies, um, right? By like you said, printing trillions of dollars out of thin air. As a matter of fact, in the last like six months, they've printed more money. Well, in the United States, anyway. Printed more money, created more money than in the first 200 years the country was around. They've done that in a couple months. So it's amazing. But uh, I want to say, I mean, obviously, I'm super involved in the money, the Fed policy, Bitcoin, et cetera. But also, there's there's another aspect to it, and it's and it's the technology side, which is really, you know, caused this alt boom. And the, what's interesting about that is when you look back through time, there's all these different cycles like we're in a four-year presidential cycle right now and there's 20-year cycles 40-year cycles there's 90-year technology cycles but really um, what we see is that every 50 years we've had a technological revolution so going back to the early 1700s uh, was the industrial revolution that got people from instead of planting with their hands they had machines and so that was a giant shift going to the industrial revolution and then uh, 50 years later, we had uh, we had steam engines and we had steel. 50 years later, we had automobiles. 50 years later, we had telecommunications. 50 years later, we had the microprocessors in 1971. Well, now we're 50 years later and we're seeing a brand new technological revolution. These aren't new technologies. These are There's only been four. Now we're in the fifth technological revolution in like 250 years. So it's a big deal. And I believe that uh, this technological revolution that's happening, not technology, is going to be bigger than than most people think. And really, it was brought on by the 1971, which was the microprocessor. Um, and now we've kind of seen that the computers and then the Internet has kind of continued. And this is what takes that to the next level. And so um, obviously the money side is there, the way we create value and transfer value. But then would you add that technological revolution on top of it? I mean, it's just gonna be massive, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, again, same thoughts in here. You know, I think we as a civilization, as a, you know, as humankind right now, we are definitely stepping in uh, a very accelerated 
you know, type of like a movement for the expansion for our economies, again, for the technology, right? Uh, that is currently being boosted, you know, first of all, by the internet and the second of all, by the AI, by the artificial intelligence, right? So yeah. there is, I'm quite sure you're you're fully aware of, aware of it, that, you know, there, there are some estimations that there is going to be like this technological singularity, right? Uh, given around, I guess, 2040s, 2050s, somewhere around there, uh, you know, that at this level, uh, from the civilizational point of view, uh, the humankind is not going to be able to monitor and predictably just observe, you know, just to do some extrapolations on how, you know, things are going to look in, a, in, the, in the future. For now, we are still some sort of like a linear growth, I would say, when you compare that, of course, you know, with the past, it's still more exponential. But locally, we are in this fraction that is more, li more linear. It just goes in a slightly predictable way. But we are just getting started. We are just slowly getting accelerated. Right with uh, with the help of AI boost with the internet, and about this singularity again, uh, this is the time that uh, the I would say production costs you know of, of or just you know maintenance costs of, of having the computers or pretty much like having the, the you know um, technological I would say industry using AI and computers. Uh, this is going to become so cheap. The cost of that is going are going to become so cheap that this is going to go global to an extent that we are not going to be able to know what's coming in future, right? Because yeah. if you think about it, the AI, in my opinion, is a huge, you know, is a huge chance, but also a huge opportunity. I mean, a huge opportunity, but also a huge threat. That's exactly what happened with Dynamite and Noble, right? He created, you know, just a thing, like he invaded the Dynamite with completely different purpose than what's, you know, frequently used Nowadays, right, for blowing up, you know, some buildings uh, against yeah. other people, so it's crazy. Uh, so I'm very quickly uh, curious, you know, about to know your thoughts about perhaps, you know, uh, did you ever think, you know, about about the singularity effect? Uh, did you ever think about how AI may boost the the economies? Well, when you talk about singularity, are you talking about how like humans and machines kind of become one? Uh, I think both of them, especially with Neuralink of Elon Musk in the past, you know, weeks. But is that what you're talking about with singularity? I'm not exactly sure what you're what you're meaning by that. Yeah. So the singularity, you know, per the understanding of you know technological, I would say level, right, of of, of progression of the civilizational again uh, expansion. So, um, but in here for the singularity, let's mainly focus then on how you think you know the AI uh, is going to impact the overall well markets, perhaps. Yeah. It's kind of like a tough question, I guess. Well, I think, uh, I, so, I mean, obviously a lot of this is just uh, opinions and speculations, obviously, because none of us know the future, as you've already said, right? Humans are very, uh, humans can't predict the future because all we can do is predict a better version of what we have. We can't predict new things, right? So we, oh, we have cars, well, flying cars, right? But it's like, so it's hard for us, but uh, what what I would say from my position now and, and from what I've read and understand and and, and what I've uh, heard a bunch of uh, experts talk about, uh, obviously, AI is here. It's getting better and better and better. Um, I think it's going to be amazing because it's going to help us do a lot of things that that uh, we don't want to do. What we want is we want computers and machines to take all the low value tasks so we can focus on the high value tasks. And so, you know, when I was a kid and I'm older than you, as we talked about, but we had like this cartoon, the Jetsons, and it was like this future generation, right? These people, these a cartoon of these people that lived in the future and they had robots that would cook and clean for them. And like, that seems so amazing. But today people think that's a threat, 
Like, why wouldn't I want a robot to cook and clean for me so I don't have to work as much? Isn't that what we want? Everything, and I just had this guest on my show, Jeff Booth. He wrote a book, um, The Price of Tomorrow, and it's all about uh, technology creating deflation because technology is invented to help us do more work in less time. That's the whole point. I I don't want to work 15 hours a day. I should be able to work two hours a day and have the machines do the rest for me. So I don't see it as a threat. I see it as a tool that will help me work less, which is what we all should want. However, um, I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't, I don't know if I believe we'll ever get to a point where the machines take over for humans. And that's from what I've read and understand and listen to experts, the part that they can't get is, you know, the human brain is so powerful and we have creativity and machines don't have that. Like they can't even figure out a cell inside the brain. The brain is so complex. And so there's definitely machine learning. And so machine learning is, is obviously learning and it learns logic and it, and it can try and try and it can change different directions and things like that. But that's a lot different than that's like linear thinking. It's not creative thinking. And, uh, I believe that we were created. I believe that earth was, we, we on earth were created and, um, I don't believe that a machine is going to have the creativity that humans have, but we don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that you are saying that actually, um, you know, makes me kind of like confirm that because I believe, you know, I share the same view that we, you know, as, as, as the humankind were created like this entire, you know, just world. I mean, it, it didn't really, you know, appear out of nowhere. I mean, there had to be some, again, Speaking of physics, there had to be some energy, you know, just kind of like influx, impact, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that was congested enough to, you know, turn into a stardust and then, you know, just, you know, all the supernovas and all. I mean, we're not, we're not going to go into uh, too much of, of you know, these uh, astronautics or, or the overall astronomy, let's say in this case. But what I mean in here is uh, we definitely want to spare more time. We definitely want to have more time, you know, and just as you said, the robots, you know, the technology to give us time and freedom, right? So I definitely understand, you know, just as you're saying, you know, this, um, this is inevitable. That's what I mean. This is inevitable. It's, 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 not just, it's not just inevitable. It's what we want, right? Like, uh, it, it's what we want. And since the beginning of time, I talked about these technological revolutions. Every time a new technology comes out, people are afraid. So uh, when electricity came out, the candle makers were like, oh my gosh, what do you need that stupid electricity for? We have candles and they're afraid they're going to, the candle makers go out of business. When cars were invented, the buggy makers, what do we need those cars? They're noisy. There's, there's stinky going up and down the street. We have buggies, right? So technology always threatens a certain set of people. We call that creative destruction. So one thing is created and it destroys the old way. But that's what we should want. Um, what happens is people are afraid to learn new things and reinvent themselves and continue to move. And that's why I think they're afraid of it. But for me, I welcome it. I think it's awesome. It creates more, <clears throat> more opportunities and a better future for us. Yeah, very well said. Very mm -hmm. well said. And, you know, just moving on to, uh, to the other, I would say, part of, of today's show, I definitely wanted to quickly touch upon, you know, this entire situation with COVID. Uh, again, you're you're located in US, by the way. Not many people perhaps may know that me and I, I you know, me and uh, me and me and Mark had such a great time, you know, with uh, with uh, it was in Vegas, right? It was yeah, in Vegas, the, yeah. Vegas conference. Yeah. I like whenever I go back, you know, to do those things. <laughs> oh no, yeah, hundred percent, man. By all means, 
uh, we were, you know, just in the center of Vegas, I guess, you know, on this rooftop, like a spot, you know, um, and, you know, having an amazing like steak, you know, all the good drinks. I mean, it was amazing. But yeah. what's most important, I mean, I just like back then, you know, I was not really aware of how big and amazing person Mark was back then. Right now I am aware of it. That's why he's, you know, here on the better show as my huge idol. I mean, as, 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 as a, you know, huge, huge idol of mine. But, um, but what I mean is um, Mark is also having many different hobbies, you know, uh, and perhaps can you just give it like a tiny, tiny, you know, just secret uh, part about your surfing, about your surfing, about your practices? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we don't want to talk about the markets and money, we can definitely talk about that. Um, we are going to go back to that in a second. You know, I just recall you know for me, um, just real quickly, you know, I learned early on that um, what doesn't what doesn't get managed, you know, runs away with you. So if you're not managing your time, you're going to end up wondering what happened to your time. If you're not managing your money, you're going to end up wondering what happened to your money. And so we want to be intentional. So uh, what I'm saying is that early on, I decided what happens with most people is they go get this job and then they they have this job, they work however much time, and then they try to fill their life with whatever time they have left. For me, I wanted to build my life and then I would put my work around that. And so I've always uh, developed this lifestyle where um, I can go do things that I love to do. So uh, back to your question. Yeah, I mean, I love to surf. And so I, I live on the beach here in Southern California. I live like four houses off the sand. So I try to surf as much as I can. And um, we take trips whenever we can. The thing with surfing, it's kind of like investing because I can't control the waves. A storm has to happen 2,000 miles away. And then um, I can track that storm and then I can start to see that it's going to start sending waves and I can start to get prepared for it. And I know in a couple of weeks this is going to happen and then I have to go to the places where those waves are going to be. But I can't control that. Right. I just I, I, I watch, I observe and then I react. Um, and that it's a lot like investing because I can't control the markets, but I can observe them and I can react accordingly. I can ride that wave just like as a surfer. So um, I can't plan things out. So if I see a swell's coming, it's going to be here in a week. I can plan a week or two out. And uh, that's about as far out as I make plans because I do, I'll hop on a plane and, and go somewhere. And lately, COVID's been lightening up. And so I've been able to hop on some planes and go surfing. Um, I've also been hopping on some planes and going uh, dirt bike riding. I just went two weeks ago. So a month ago, I was in uh, Cabo San Lucas in Mexico surfing, and then I went to Colorado on a dirt bike trip for five days, and then I flew to mainland Mexico on another surf trip, um, and then I just got home last night from Idaho, another spot in the United States, on another dirt bike trip. So back and forth, back and forth on those things, getting a little bit of work done in between. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm asking about all your hobbies because you've been an inspiration to me, and I know you can be a true inspiration to many other people like you are confirmed to be a huge inspiration to many people. So I definitely wanted to quickly touch upon, you know, just this very tiny, I would say, digression uh, from the main merit so that people can really, you know, just learn that even people as successful as you are can really spur time, you know, to have such a fucking good hobby like surfing. I mean, it goes yeah. beyond It goes beyond my understanding, you know, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I got to tell you, I truly, I truly envy that part, you know, because what i'm here located in poland you know just in the city uh well the only surfing i can do is my bathroom right <laughs> so so that's that's fucking crazy so i wish i wish you know definitely to go back to uh to california when it all passes uh and moving back to the merit uh i started with coming from uh from the covid part right 
Uh, how is it looking in your view with the COVID and how it impacts the market still? Does it have an impact still or is it fully recovered? Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, so obviously the the, the COVID, the pandemic has been, I guess, the driver has been everything in, in regards to the economy, right? Uh, all across the world was basically shut down. Businesses were shut down because of it. I spent a lot of time studying it. As a matter of fact, you know, for the first couple months, I, I probably studied it more than anybody I know because I had to figure out what was happening to try to figure out where the economy was going. You know, what, what I see, unfortunately, um, it's not, not the best scenario. So what I mean by that is, like I said, I've studied a lot. First, I was studying the, the actual virus and I was looking at trying to figure out what the virality is and the death rate is and when we would get to some herd immunity. And so then we could start to project when the economy would start to open back up. The problem is, is that, you know, in the beginning, all we had were models. We didn't have data. Today, we have massive amounts of data. And the data shows us, don't kill me on this, but the data shows us that this virus is not deadly. The data exactly. shows us that this virus is less deadly than many other things that we deal with on a regular basis. And so what that tells me is that the government uh, imposed lockdowns that we have are not related to the death to, to the to the virus itself, and so there's something else going on. And the problem with that, as as a, as a market analyst trying to forecast this, originally I was thinking, okay, when we get the virus under control, then the economy can get back to to normal. The problem that we have today is that the virus is under control, but the governments won't let the economy get back to normal, and so now it's turned into a political thing, and so now. Um, looking at as a market analyst trying to figure out what's going to happen with the markets next, it's not so much about the virus anymore. Now it's all about politics. And so now we have to start digging into that. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear about politics. The problem is you can't understand money without understanding politics because the politicians are the ones that control the money. So you have to understand both. Um, I see here Jason saying something about lives in, Aust in Australia. Um, they, uh, they, so in Australia is, and I, I'm sorry, Jason, living in Australia, my buddy, uh, I was with this weekend. He's from Australia. He's from Victoria, the state of Victoria in Australia. And it's a communist country. You can't even, okay. He's in Victoria as well, Jason. I mean, I seen all over, you can't leave, you can't go five kilometers from your house. Um, I, I read about a girl, a lady who was pregnant and the hospital was right next to her, but it was across state lines. She wasn't allowed to cross state lines. She had to go 16 hours to the other side of the state and she lost her baby because they wouldn't let her cross state lines. Um, I mean, Whoa. it's like, it's like, a, it's a, it's a, the data, the data is not there on the U S website on the CDC website. If you go there, there's been about 7 million people infected. There's been 180,000 deaths. You divide the 180,000 by the 7 million people, you come up with a 0.03% fatality rate. That means you have a 99.97% chance of survival. Um, if you look into the data, of course, as analysts, we have to dig into that data. Um, we dig into that data and we go, well, half of those deaths were 80 years and older. And then we dig into that and we go, well, in the United States, this is the United States, of course, right? In the United States, we dig into that and we go, well, almost all of those 80, those deaths of 80 years and older happened in five states. Why did they happen in those five states? We have 50 states in the U.S., five states, the governors of those states signed executive orders. That's like no vote. That's like a dictator basically signs an executive order to put six sick people in nursing homes. 
and it killed old people, the most vulnerable. So when you look at the data, so if you look at the data in aggregate, everything, it's a 99.97% survival rate, but you take out the 80 year plus, and basically it's not deadly to anybody under 80. My wife had it. Um, I slept in the same bed with her every single night and I didn't get it. Um, and so anyway, uh, again, understanding the markets, it's really a political thing. So then you have to like, okay, what, what's really going on behind the scenes? And I know for some people, they're going to think this is kind of going far out there, but it's not. So um, the world is really ran by a group that meets in Davos every year, right? And the group in Davos is, is, are the world leaders. They're the ones that pull the strings. And um, that's run by the World Economic Forum. So there's World Economic Forum, there's the World Health Organization, there's the World Trade Organization, right? These are the NGOs. These are the, these, this is what controls the world. So the World Economic Forum, and you can go to their website, worldeconomicforum.com slash great reset on their website this is not a conspiracy they're telling you exactly what's happening and and you can see al gore and uh, klaus whatever his name is that run it they're all over the internet saying we're using this opportunity to reset the entire financial system of the world um and so this is on their website they want to they want us to live in a world where nobody owns anything everything's communal um there's no capitalism anymore and uh they said that this spring this coming spring is when this uh when this whole great reset's going to happen again, this is not conspiracy. This is on their website, um, and so, like I said, now we have to look at like past the virus and now look at what this politics of what these guys are trying to do here. Um, and that leads yeah. us down another rabbit hole. What's going to happen with the markets? That's very true, Mark. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, you didn't surprise me to start with, right? You didn't surprise me because. I'm also aware of all this shit that's going, all this crap going, you know, behind the scenes. And when you think of it and when you truly realize, you know, the actual, again, as you said, the data, when you go into the data, go into the numbers, which most of the people cannot really want, cannot really do. If you think about it, again, the, the entire scholarship system, I would say the school, the school system, the education system, uh, it kind of like raises, you know, people who to be unaware of, all, of some specific data, uh, but in here, uh, I'll get to tell you on the example of Poland, right? But um, as you were saying, this is just a global thing. Uh, once in every couple of months, again, there is some closed forum, right? Uh, some people would call that like the Bilderberg Group, for example, right? Yeah. So they meet, uh, I guess, in Europe. Not sure if they meet also in States, but be it in Davos, be it you know in Europe, uh, there are some closed meetings, and there are some. They are kind of like publicly known. For some reason, people would never still just search some any information about it, but it's all there. It's all live, as you said. Uh, and if you go to again to the uh, to the to the forum side, that is World Economic Forum uh, slash Reset or Great Reset, right? Then you yeah. are literally going to read about it. I mean, it blows my mind for sure. It, I think it should blow my mind, like blow blow my mind. Um, if I were any other person, I mean, true blow people's minds because. This is actually happening. And as you're saying, they're literally giving the instructions of what's going to happen. So it's so crazy. Uh, and it's just a confirmation that, you know, whatever happens in politics, whatever happens, again, with big money involved, with billions and trillions of dollars, right, with global economies, there is no, there is no, I would say, surprise. There is no, like, you know, just... Uh, something that you want to predict everything is scheduled like in advance everything is scheduled you know beforehand 
right? Yeah. So past exactly. couple of years, past couple of years was mainly like some preparation, you know, uh, you know, for what was coming with the with the COVID stuff. And if you think yeah. about it, even what's even more interesting, uh, you know, just noticed the other day this this point that uh, past twenty years, you know, past twenty years, I mean, we've had three sort of like recessions, right? The dot com dot com bubble of two thousand, the two thousand and eight real estate bubble. Now we are having like you know everything bubble almost, right? But uh, yeah, the, the stocks, let's say, um, and every single recession has had its own virus. Like 2000, they would have like the yeah. SARS or sepsis, nobody would call that, right? 2008 and 90, you would have the bird flu. Now you're having the coronavirus. In eight years, you're going to have fucking, I don't know, Martian virus, right? Because right. people go to Mars and so on and so forth. But people tend to have so short to memory that they would not really even remember that. And uh, I'm just so curious uh, to know, like, on, on your end, how it's looking regarding, you know, the upcoming US elections, the presidential elections. Uh, because that's going to bring the volatility. Uh, that's going to bring, you know, a lot of mess and chaos in the market. So I'm so looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. Yeah. So again, back in back into the politics. Uh, the uh, the thing is, is you know, we'll talk about these things, and we don't have to say, well, who who do I want to win? But we can look at it objectively, and we can just go, okay. So you know, we have President Trump. We have uh, uh, you know the nominee uh, Biden running and we can just look at their, their platform. Like what are they trying to do? So Biden, for example, has put together this whole platform of what he wants to do, including um, what he wants to do with taxes and what he wants to do with the economic uh, things and stuff like that. And so um, there's actually been several big like uh, think tanks that have come out and done full reviews and they've done polls and things like this. And so we do know that I, I think regardless of who wins, we're going to see lots more money printing <laughs> regardless of who wins. We're going to see trillions of dollars coming out of the government. So I think um, the, the everything bubble, as you said, I think will continue regardless of who wins. Um, I do think that, you know, Biden is coming out saying that he um, wants to increase taxes. He wants to increase taxes on income. He also wants to increase taxes on investment income, which is taxed differently. Um, and so that could hurt investors. And, and they're actually predicting the stock market to drop based off of that. So that's interesting. Um, but then um, back to like crypto and gold, which I look at, you know, other alternate forms of currency. Um, we see that, um, you know, Biden has selected uh, AOC and Bernie Sanders to kind of run his like uh, policy. And they're pushing what they want to call the Green New Deal. And so the Green New Deal is basically this big push to get rid of all fossil fuels, move all to renewables, which sounds great. Like, uh, let's all save the puppies. I want to save the puppies, too. But um, the reality of it isn't quite so good. And mainly they want to spend between 30 to 90 trillion 90 to 30 to 90 trillion dollars to do this. Um, and at the same time, they want to shut down all fossil fuels, including getting rid of air travel. Yeah, I cool. said that getting rid of air travel because it, it, it creates too much carbon. And just in the United States, that's that's one point five trillion dollars of, of, of GDP. So um, if that happens, they're going to print 30 to 90 trillion dollars. Now, we only have about twenty six trillion dollars of debt now, not only, but how are we going to spend an extra 30 to 90 trillion? Um, and of course we know the answer to that it's MMT creating money, which is why I'm so bullish on gold and I'm so bullish on uh, Bitcoin and alternative assets that we can move our money into. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. That's what I said. You know, 
crypto itself, like Bitcoin, if you look at it back in 2008, it was, you know, it was actually released two weeks, I guess, after this, you know, Lehman Brothers bank collapse, right? It was released right after. And it was actually, you know, very contrary per development, per, I mean, um, per fundamentals of it, right? Contrary to the, it was an answer to the, collapsing inflationary model that, you know, since the dot-com bubble, you know, by printing, you know, unlimited amount of money, again, by boosting the inflation, right? By de- yeah. like decreasing the strength of dollar against other currencies, uh, they will literally collapse, like run to the same <laughs> collapsing situation uh, to kind of like repeat what happened in 2000s to an extent. Uh, but here, again, it was more of, uh, you know, low interest rates, more of, you know, big, big amount of money printed again to, to you know, help people with the mortgages and so on. So it was a huge bubble and it did burst, right, with the Lehman Brothers Bank uh, to start with. And Bitcoin yeah. was released as an answer, as a very contrary model, you know, to that as a deflationary asset, right? Right. So, uh if you if you think of fundamentals, I'm not a I know you're not a big fan of let's say guessing prices and and so on. But uh, do you have any specific I would say thoughts about uh, why you think Bitcoin you know would or would not reach new all time high? Let's say. Well, I do look at prices. I just uh, I look at them over different time frames. So I believe it's easier to get the big picture right. Uh, I I don't look at the short time frame. So I know you're in the charts and you're the technical analyst master. So you know you're looking at kind of short time frames. I'm just looking at long time frames. So um, so I do look at prices. Of course, as an investor, anytime I buy any asset, I have to know what it's going to be worth in the future. So I'm always pre- I'm always predicting prices. Um, that that being said, back to your question about Bitcoin, I think. Um, you know, the way that I look at uh, any of these assets, Bitcoin specifically, is like, imagine if uh, I created this app and it was a ride sharing app, Uber, right? But you never heard of Uber before. And so I went to all these different venture capitalists and said, hey, would you invest in this ride sharing app? And they're like, well, we don't know what's, what's a ride sharing app. How much is it worth? I don't know. Well, what are you trying to do? Well, I want to disrupt the ride share industry. Okay, what's the ride share industry? Taxis, limousines. Okay, well, the taxis industries is this big. And if this could capture 5% of the market, then... Uber could be this big, right? So you're always trying to project that. And so I look at it the same way. So Bitcoin, for example, is is a, a store of value, right? It's a way to get money outside the banking system. Well, what other ways are you storing value and getting money outside the banking system? Well, gold, right? So that's $10 trillion in gold. What other ways? Well, offshore banking. Offshore banking is 30 to $40 trillion. Okay. What other ways? Well, people also put money into real estate, stocks, things like that. So maybe there's another 80 to 100 trillion there. So let's just say that um, gold, you know, gold and Bitcoin have a very close parallel. Also offshore banking, because offshore banking is trying to get it out of the banking jurisdiction. So just right there, we have about 50 trillion dollars. Just right there. So if Bitcoin could take 10% of that, which why wouldn't it be able to? That's five trillion dollars. Just that. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. So <laughs> that's the way that I look at it. I think that Bitcoin is a better option for offshore banking. We've seen, you know, uh, Switzerland, which was the famous offshore banking uh, place. And we've seen in the last couple of years, like these Russian oligarchs that have $500 million or whatever billion dollars in these banks have now been getting it seized. It's been bad for them. And so they're starting to look, well, where can I, if, if I can't trust an offshore bank, where can I put it? Well, I can put it into Bitcoin. Nobody can seize it. So um, I just think that we'll easily capture 10% of the gold and and uh, and offshore banking market. Like I said, that's $5 trillion right there. Of course, people put uh, other money into other things. 
And then, then we can chase that same model down into other crypto assets. So we could look at Ethereum, for example. Well, Ethereum is a platform that we're seeing all this other technology built off of, right? NFTs and DeFi and all these things. Well, right now you have, let's say, Facebook. Um, Facebook, or let's look at Amazon. Amazon's kind of like this platform, right, where everyone's building these short stores and products on top of it. And it's worth, you know, a trillion dollars. You know, whatever. It's worth a trillion dollars. And it's like Ethereum is kind of the same thing. Now, I believe that the crypto space will be bigger than the internet space. So if Amazon's a platform worth a trillion, how much could Ethereum the platform be worth? It could be worth at least a trillion, if not multiple trillion, right? And so right now it's worth whatever. I don't even know what it is today, 100 billion or whatever, right? So um, I, I look at all different assets like that. What is the space they're going to disrupt? How big is that? If they could get X amount, what would it be worth? And so anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you know this is very very simply put on your end, right? There is no really like making things hard. You're just very simple thinker about it, and that 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 is why I think you know uh, you're very successful in the space for it, right? And uh, I'm a big fan, you know, of diversifying. So that I what I also believe in a very same uh, way, you know, in Bitcoin and in other cryptocurrencies, with Bitcoin, you know, just being I would say the symbol, right, uh, for every for every crypto asset there is. Um, I do also hold like, you know, um, gold bars, like gold coins, uh, like, you know, silver coins, sil silver bars. Uh, you know, I do invest in real estate. I do understand that cryptocurrency itself is actually, again, um, one of the many asset classes with being at the same time extremely risky if you compare that with other asset classes with tech well theoretically speaking with bonds you know with, with cash assuming there's no inflation of course right? <laughs> that yeah. the economies are not really collapsing but um i mean it makes me so bullish you know because for now bitcoin if you think about it is actually in the face of an actual exam it's it's passing its test right now as we speak it's very interesting uh i would say phenomenon to watch uh because it was created as an answer to economic recessions to an extent coming from, from the overinflated economies. Uh, and that's exactly the case right now. And it to me, it does seem, you know, we can easily go past, you know, $20,000 because we now are way more mature than we used to be, you know, past three years, like in the past three years. The yeah. markets are open. There is yeah. more money. Uh, same type of movements are happening, you know, on gold, silver, and Bitcoin, which tells me that the same capital is kind of like, you know, just diversified in these three types of, you know, categories, I would say, right, of assets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everybody, as we started out in the beginning, right, everything these governments and central banks are doing are pushing people into alternative assets. It's only going to continue. I think the way I look at it, too, is like uh, gold has, you know, is money for 5,000 years. Central banks buy and hold gold. Um and there's no other metal. There's steel, there's aluminum, there's chromoly, there's copper, there's uh, palladium, right? There's all other metals. None of those other metals will ever replace gold for what gold's purpose is, right? No, no central bank is going to go, let's not hold gold anymore. Let's hold uh, rhodium now. Like, it's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uranium. Let's go with uranium. <laughs> right. Gold, gold, gold is gold. There's no other metals, but I might. I might buy copper. I might invest in a little bit of copper. It's never going to be gold, but why not make a little bit of money in copper, right? And that's kind of how I look at Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is Bitcoin. There's no other assets that are going to beat Bitcoin, but why not trade a little bit of these other ones to make a little bit of money there, right? It, I think I think, I think, think as long as you kind of understand that and you understand the risk, you understand why you're buying and selling, 
um, you know, it makes sense and you can kind of manage that properly. Yeah, that's very well said. And uh, before I let you go, Mark, because you've been so generous with your time, with your patience, with, uh, you know, despite all of the kind of like, you know, uh, difficulties that we may have had, you know, just during this show, we're going to make sure to optimize that before we release it to the public. But um, with all your generosity, of course, now I definitely want to give a very quick, tiny two, three minute space for people to ask some questions, perhaps in the Q&A section. Uh, there is a Q&A section, guys. Go make sure to go uh, right on top. You know, there is a chat section right on the right to that. There is a Q&A section. So if you have, uh, you know, a few short questions, um, um, I truly believe, you know, Mark is so, such a great guy that he's going to take some questions from you. Um, but until then, until the questions uh, start arriving, uh, I definitely want to emphasize, you know, how much of an inspiration you've been to me, how much of an inspiration you are to so many people uh, the moment that I met you, you know, in this in this in this tower, in this beautiful space, you know, um, in Vegas, it actually opened my fucking mind back then. You know, I decided, like after hearing your story back then, I decided that, gosh, this guy knows what's going on. I mean, he knows for fucking real what's going on, you know, and he just makes the use out of his knowledge, and that's what I truly admire you for. Uh, you know, that's what I truly, uh, you know. Have been a big fan of yours i mean you i think you're such an amazing guy yeah thank you thank you yeah I, I i remember that night we had dinner together and and it was uh i loved meeting you as well i loved uh you were you were here and then you were leaving the conference and you're gonna go do the traveling and you had all these big plans you're gonna go swim at the dam or whatever and then go to california and like uh so it's really cool and uh and it's been been great to keep up with you i'd like to uh we need to we need to hook back up and uh, i'd love to learn more about what you're doing in the bird nest as well and yeah. see, uh, see if maybe there's some stuff that we can do together in there as well. So uh, we'll have to set up another chat offline uh, when, whenever we can. Yeah, by all means, Mark. I mean, again, um, you you got it. You take it for granted. I mean, it's it's given. We're going to launch some good stuff, right? We so we'll make sure to to discuss it offline, just as you said. And uh, uh, we, got was... <laughs> we got we got a question. Uh, Go ahead. So when will we reach a new all-time high? I would I would like to answer the question, will we reach a new all-time high? Will we? Yes, we will. When? So the when, the, the timing is always the hard part. So understand, and that's why I said that in the beginning, we kind of have different time frames. I, I believe getting the big picture is easy. The, the short-term picture is very difficult. So the timing, we know what's going to happen. When is the hard is the hard question to ask. Um, answer right um we know that eventually the government is not gonna be able to print any money anymore because it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be ineffective anymore when i don't know right so anyway, when will we get to new all-time high i would say you know most likely the next 12 months um i i think that will happen probably even shorter i wouldn't even doubt it if it was in the next six months but probably the next 12 months i would say that would happen um but then there's a couple you know things so for example it's looking like maybe Q1 or Q2 of next year, we might have a massive recession, um, you know, and, and a lot of analysts are calling for an 80% drop in the stock market. If something like that happens, that's going to hurt the price of Bitcoin. Uh, it, it's going to hurt the price of gold. You know, it just, it just does uh, because those are liquid assets that people can, can do. So um, we like to talk in probabilities, not, I don't predict, I talk in probabilities. And so I think it's very probable that, that, that we see a new all-time high within the next 12 months. Yeah, actually sharing the same, sharing the same views, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like, 
kind of like also, you know, interested interested to see how the elections are generally going to impact the markets. But just as you said, I mean, the next months are bullish uh, for, for Bitcoin, in my opinion as well. And uh, I definitely appreciate all of your time, Mark, today. Your, again, I keep telling you that because I truly want to let you know that you have been a huge inspiration to me and you're definitely a huge inspiration to many, many people. And awesome. uh, with, with that in mind and with that having said, I definitely want to thank you for today's uh, amazing show for today's podcast. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Moss, the huge legend, was yeah. a guest for today's Nestro podcast. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nestro. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbnest.com discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.